Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Securing Bridges podcast. You're about to join Alyssa Miller as she sits down with senior and executive security leaders to share stories of success and failure while working across business teams. It's time to build and secure the bridge to the business. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. everybody it's another episode of securing bridges i'm Alyssa miller i am back here once again in studio 1a is that work we want remember that's like a really old reference no one gets anymore right well i don't care here we are i'm still in my office this week i'm not traveling for the second week in a row that that's an experience in of itself because yeah apparently we just decided COVID's over and we're traveling again so um but here we are Securing Bridges, the show where we are talking about how do we bridge the gap? How do we bridge that gap between the business side, those non-security folks, and all of us crazy security people who love to, you know, tell everybody else how they should be secure and maybe how do we do that better? So we had some great guests. Um, I mean, I think we're up to episode eight now. We are, I'm, I'm looking back at some of the, the past episodes. I'm just, I'm amazed at all the incredible people we've had and it just keeps getting better. This week, check this out. This week, we've got with us DNS Princess. Alyssa, how yes. are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I am doing great. So I have to tease Alyssa first because she's the other Alyssa who spells her name wrong. But When I'm around, you're the other Alyssa. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there it is. See, so this is the thing. Like, so she picked this fight. I will just say that. Like, I was totally chill until I got a message from a mutual about Alyssa was saying you spell your name wrong. <laughs> so on that subject, let's talk about how we got there. Why don't you go ahead, just introduce yourself for the maybe one or two people out there who've not, not heard of you before, or maybe aren't familiar with your work. Yeah. So hi, I'm Alyssa. First and foremost, I'm a hacker. That's how I identify myself, just like Alyssa is as well. Um, we both work on the same conference, um, the best one, in my very biased opinion, Circle City Con. That'll be like the first time out of five I plug that during here. Um, I am a security researcher. Yeah, once, once or twice or maybe more than that. <laughs> Um, I am a security researcher, even though I'm officially a PhD dropout, I'm very happy about it. I have moved on to a wonderful career at Bishop Fox. So yeah, that, that's everything I've done like in the past year. Which is a lot. Um, so I'm going to put in the other plug for Circle City Con right away. And I'm, we'll probably talk more about it because yeah, we are on the, the same the, the same conference together. Um, CFP is still open for a short time. So please go out, check out the website, send us your CFPs. We'd love to hear from you and have you speak. But this is about bridging gaps and building bridges and securing bridges and all the things we I can take that metaphor everywhere and people probably get sick of me. So let, let's talk a little bit. So you mentioned being a PhD dropout. Let, let's talk about that first. What does that mean? other than, I, I mean, the obvious. Yeah, um, I've been in academia for 10 years, um, which is a really long time. Uh, I thought I wanted to stay there in my career. 
um, my career choice. One of the biggest reasons I haven't is because I stopped hacking. It was all about writing papers and uh, documentation. It wasn't it wasn't fun anymore. Um, but I I love academia for its romanticism, for its you know obviously trying to teach people. Um, and really reaching out to communities and other places that could really use, you know, knowledge. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> nice. So that's like a really cool experience in of itself, right? I mean, kind of seeing where academia is and what, what that focus is. Now, on the flip side, you said you just started a role at Bishop Fox. Mm-hmm. I love it. I am what? elated to be there. So that's a bit of a shift though, right? I mean, from yeah. going from academia where, you know, the focus is, you know, really community and whatnot. And now you're, you're in a corporate role where, okay, things are at the end of the day, it all comes down to money, right? I mean, yeah. one way or another, it's about the money. So just what has that even been like that, that transition for you in, into that space? Well, I can tell you for one thing, academia is also all about the money. Even in a like a public institution, it's all about cutting budgets and getting the most grant money and, and everything else. Honestly, the shift in that respect has been pretty easy. Um, the biggest difference is the, the reward of teaching people and getting to see um, you know, your action be put into work. And I thought I would lose that going into the corporate world, but I'm still filling out CFPs and doing research and all the things I used to love about academia. So it's, it's an okay adjustment. An okay adjustment. I love how you put that. <laughs> so, so what can you tell us about your role at Bishop Fox then? Because I mean, a lot of people probably understand what Bishop Fox's business is, mm -hmm. but you know, your role within that and how does that tie into some of the things that you've done in the past? You said you're still submitting to CFPs and, and getting out and speaking. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like now related to the role you're in? Well, the role I'm in is actually really respectful of everything I do outside of my nine to five, right? Um, so they, they care about research. They care about um, like furthering the field. In fact, I think they just had a webcast today over ransomware, which was really nice. Um, my role at Bishop Fox is I scope pen tests. Um, that's like primarily what I do. Um, and I use my experience in doing past pen tests to think, okay, well, how long did that take me? What resources do I need to do? Um, so in that way, it's uh, really rewarding to have my past experience because it does fill in, you know, scoping and doing all of that work. So, so kind of like in that pre-sale support role, is that, I mean, is that a fair thing to say? Is How yeah. involved do you get in that? <laughs> um, it's really messy because a week after I joined or something like that, we moved under consulting, um, but it's still technically part of pre-sales. I got into it because I was at a con. Um, I was at ThoughtCon and Bishop Fox had a booth and I was thinking to myself, oh, the students would make great interns. I'll just happen to take this recruiter's card. Um, prior to being at Bishop Fox, I was working full-time at RSA um, and RSA has gone over some changes. Uh, and so I decided, you know what, I'm going to email this person just in case, just to see if, you know, what will happen. And then Lo and behold, this position opened up and she was like, you got to apply. And I did. So nice. So do you actually, I mean, so I've been, 
full disclosure, I've, I've been in kind of similar pre-sales roles before, right? Where I was, I was working for an organization. I was actually working for BT when it was like BTINS. Um, boy, there again. Yeah, I'm that old. Okay, come on. <laughs> uh, but so I know in that role, I had a lot of interaction with customers. Is, is that part of it? I mean, because you're trying to get out there, you're trying to scope a pen test. I assume you're sitting down and kind of exploring what what those pen tests look like. How does that, I mean, what is that experience like for you? I mean, I, granted, I understand the role's fairly new, so I don't know how, you know, how deep you've gotten yet, but... Yeah, so it's kind of it's kind of messy. I've learned a lot of things along the way. One being how to communicate with customers in general. Um, they don't know what they need. I'll be honest with you. People just come with a pen test and say, "I need one for compliance," or, you know, "I I just want one," and they have no idea what they need. So, um, kind of pulling that out of them, teasing out what they need, is probably the biggest skill I I need to still master to do this job. Um, yeah, I think that something that's unique about the job is that it really all depends. Like what happens in the pen test depends on you. Um, not to plug my, not to plug Bishop Fox again, but they have a, a blog post out about making a scope correctly and how important it is to scope right the first time uh, if you want to check that out. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of resources, a lot of talking, a lot of what do you mean? <laughs> so... Do you find yourself kind of having to coach them too, like how to actually get something of value from a pen test? Because you mentioned, and of course we know this all, we all know this happens, right? I, mm -hmm. I've got, I need a pen test because, you know, my regulator or my audit team or somebody says I need to have a pen test. So keep me compliant, do a pen test, just, you know, whatever. Do you end up like, do you find yourself trying to coach them and say like, hey, you know, if we structure it like this, you'll actually get some more real value from it rather than just checking a box or how? What do those conversations look like? Those conversations are sometimes easier than you think. There's a lot of relief when someone asks like for a pen test and they're like, I don't know what I need. And you go, it's okay. I know what you need. That kind of confidence and really supporting the client goes a long way. So later down the line, when I say, mm, maybe you need an internal pen test too, that trust has already been built. Um, and so they, they take that advice pretty well. If you go into a client meeting, like meeting them for the first time and you're like, I need X, Y, Z, D, A, B, C, they, it's not going to go off too well. And that's kind of our tendency in security, right? Like we, we come in, we got to assume that everybody knows what this is all about. And we're just going to come in and tell them what we need because, well, you want me to write a scope for your pen test. So you got to tell me all the details. And we, I feel like, a lot of times we can miss that nuance of, all right, I, I need to be more consultative. Do you, do you find that that's still something that maybe differentiates you from other people who might be trying to do the same thing for those clients? Not to toot my own horn, but yeah. Um, toot my own horn, that's what we're here for. <laughs> I was um, consulting for a company called Practical Cyber before. And so um, at that job, I got to play this game. I love this game. It's called, what would I do if I was their CISO? All right, like pretend CISO man. Um, and so sometimes I put that hat back on and really think like, okay, what's best for them? Now, I think the biggest struggle I have in that mindset talking to the customer is obviously budget. Um, I, I would 
recommend everyone get the most full comprehensive pen test for everything that they have. And that's just not going to work. So when I put on my CISO hat and think, mm, they've got like a, a $40,000 or $50,000 budget, what can I realistically do with that? Uh, kind of helps make the scopes easier, more clear. So interesting segue. Uh, um, you also, as we mentioned, and see, here we go, it gets another plug, but you're the CEO for Circle City Con. Absolutely, I am. So what I'm curious about is now you just talked about putting kind of that, that CISO hat or that executive hat and looking at things. Now, obviously, Circle City Con is probably a little different. You're probably not out there trying to, you know, deploy a SOC and, 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 you have a whole vulnerability management program or anything else like that. But, um, you know, are there things that you've learned in being the COO of a nonprofit that runs a conference like Circle City Con? What is that? Is that does that give you things that you've been able to leverage then when you're in those conversations with your customers? I think Circle City Con's experience has helped bring out like not not necessarily technical information, but again, more of that like bridge building um, between myself and the the client or potential client. Um, one thing that Circle City Con has given me is um, people like you, right? Like I get to meet new people and get a lot of experiences. And so when people talk about like, oh yeah, in my pen test, I've done this, or this is the way I would handle this problem. Um, a lot of mentoring comes from Circle City Con, which I think makes me better. Um, so I, you know, we have a lot of great leaders and a great and a great board team. So yeah, I mean that 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 president is kind of a little, you know, <laughs> but, uh, just a shout out because I know he's listening right now. So, um, <laughs> so your role as COO because a lot of people I, I don't even think a lot of people understand what it is like to to be in that position with a conference, right? I mean, you know, we a lot of us go to them. A lot mm -hmm. of us have a lot of fun. A lot of us probably have some criticisms of the people who run a conference, but I don't think we all get the, the, the other side of it. We don't get to see what it's like running a conference. And, you know, I, so for you in that CEO role, what does it even look like? I mean, what are, what are you being asked to do in that role? Well, um, my role kind of stretches into OJ's role as he keeps me, sorry, OJ, Phil is our CEO of Circle City Con. Um, CEO, and, I call him president, I'm sorry. No, I think he's president of the board and CEO. So you okay. got that right, yeah. Um, so making the con work is a lot of pre-planning and just ideological stuff um, that we talk about like every day. There's not a day that goes by that I'm making voice messages to OJ about this conference, right? So um, it's really about making it go. It's about having volunteers, staff, um, enough content, uh, day of operations all fall on me. Um, the organization of the con in terms of like our sponsors, the hotels, like everything that makes the visual part of Circle City Con work is done by OJ. So Nice, nice. So a good division and you get, I mean, and I, I'll admit personally, like it's really interesting for me to see how well, you know, how a conference can be run like an organization. And of course, being nonprofit, you know, some of that is a requirement, but Really, it, it's an interesting mix, and I think I think a lot of people would be well served if you have the opportunity to do it, to be a part of a conference because it, it 
when you're you are essentially running a business, whether you're a nonprofit and you're, you know, the requirements for nonprofit organization, at least here in the US, you do have to be structured as an organization. You have to run as a true organization. You need to have a board. You have to do all those things. And it can be a great way to build some empathy for what it's like when you go back to your day job and you're dealing with an organization because suddenly you understand it a lot more. And so, you know, for you, that's why I was kind of curious, like where does, now that you're, you're in that role and you've had some of that experience, does that, you find that that gives you greater empathy to understand some of the people that you're talking with from a client perspective? I've seen a lot of people, different people come to Circle City Con. I think it does help grow that empathy. Um, more so it helps grow patience. Um, Circle City Con's unique in that we have a lot of new people to the industry come in. We're very friendly, we're very open, we have free training. Um, and this year, some really great villages, so super awesome. Um, and you're talking to people who it's like their day one, first day in security, even those who have been you know, there for a year or two. And trying to like help those people through CTFs or just talking about the con, you really see like, oh, I need to take a step back. I'm using lingo that is unfamiliar or I'm assuming something that not everybody knows. And so I think, yeah, you're right. It definitely gives me empathy once I go back to the real world. <laughs> so if somebody was talking to you and, and their question was, hey, I really want to come to Circle City or you know, maybe any, I guess this would apply to any conference, but your experiences with Circle City in particular, and they're saying, how do I get my employer? How do I convince my employer to pay for me to go to this conference, to you know, cover my travel if it's necessary, pay for my, my ticket and whatever else? Um, what, would, what would you tell them? I mean, what are those things that is going to get you know, somebody's business to want to pay for them to go to a, a conference in Indianapolis? Well, um, kind of like I mentioned before, we do have all free training. Um, so it's accessible to everyone. We have some really great trainers. Um, Sam Bound is one that we've had for many years, and he's going to show up again this year to put on his training. Um, the, the talks, I think, are pretty unique and have an interesting perspective. Um, I don't know if anyone's going to write to our theme this year, if someone can turn their talk into a cartoon, but we'll see. Um, and then, of course, we have a lot of hands-on uh, practice and uh, activities. So we've got hardware hacking, car hacking, RF, Village is going to be there virtually. Um, I don't know if anyone's employer is interested in quantum computing, but we're going to have a quantum village. Um, there's a lot of stuff to do that is at your fingertips at Circle City Con and, and really approachable. Um, it's not like a high level con where if you go to it, you're not going to understand anything and not get along a lot out of it. Um, an employer should be proud to say like, yeah, my my employee went to Circle City Con and he, she, they learned all these things, got to do these trainings and I think that our content is really what um, would attract employers. Don't tell them that we're going to have lots of fun and free cereal and cartoons, but. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got to have a theme, right? And I, I know that you've, uh, you know, it, hey, you know, it's, it's, it's just part of what, what you do to keep it fun. But I, I think you touched on some of those, Cool thing. There you go. Fun cereal cartoons for the win. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I guess, um, you know, as, as we look at it, so training seems like one side of it. I think there's a, 
would you agree there's like a networking component as well? Oh, absolutely. Um, I know people who have had job opportunities, internship opportunities, just from like hanging out with professionals, um, grabbing lunch with somebody, being in the same talk and, and like having a conversation afterwards. Um, I think there's a lot of benefit in that as well with networking. We use uh, a, a different platform every year. This year we're going to be using Discord to navigate social interactions. So I think that'll be really helpful to meet someone at Circle and then ping them a day or two later, like, hey, I really liked your talk or, you know, we had a good conversation about your job opportunity. Can I give you my resume? Um, stuff like that. So. Yeah. Um, and. You know, who knows? I mean, you, you mentioned before, like you got your job. You know, yeah. you, you found the job you're at right now by going to a conference. And so I you know, I, I think that's probably not the thing you want to tell your employer about why they should send you to a conference. Just let's let's be clear. I don't think I'm trying to say that. I don't think that's what Alyssa's trying to say. So <laughs> let's be clear on that. Um but these are things that are important. I think, you know, understanding that um, and it, it, it gives you that exposure to other people who think, who have different experiences. It gives you the opportunity to bring in lessons that they've learned. So thinking back then to, you know, kind of your experience with academia. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we talked a little bit about that juxtaposition of going from the academia and you know the differences between the academic world and the corporate world. What are some of those things that you would hope people would be able, if you could teach them something from you know what you've been able to see in that difference, what would you want people to take away? Um, for those in academia, I would really want to push them to get out of that comfortable setting um, with courses and textbooks and everything else and really get some hands-on learning. Um, academia has a lag from the industry. There are things the industry is gonna be talking about and it takes two, three semesters to show up in academia at all. Um, I got a really big jump in my life for that because I was working at RSA and I got to keep some of that hands-on stuff. Um, but doing projects, making a home lab, um, your books and papers are not gonna cut it. Um, if you want to participate and really bridge that gap, go to a con, submit a CFP, um, or even just join a local group, like the, D the DEF CON groups that happen, right? Um, or maybe there's a local cyber meetup or check the back of 2600 for a meetup near you. Um, all those things can be super helpful and help close that gap between what's happening in the industry or like what's happening even on Twitter, right? Versus like that that gap that you're seeing for it to be published or a paper or anything else. That being said, some of the most novel research I've ever seen has come out of journals, um, like academic journals. And they get turned into sometimes, you know, a DEF CON talk or a different conference talk. So there's this loop of researchers outside of academia, researchers inside of academia, trying to share that knowledge. And if it was my hope at all to fix that gap, it would be all information, journals, textbooks, conference talks, they all be equally accessible and free, so. Oh, and that makes sense. I hear that for sure. And you do a lot of speaking yourself at conferences or a fair amount. I mean, let's, let's be clear. The first time I met Alyssa was they were speaking at GERCON. And um, I don't even know if you remember that. That was like, God, 
that was ancient times. It was like 2014 or something. That so, was in the before times. Nothing yes, before before times. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, and I've gotten this to see Alyssa speak a number of times. Um, but if, what has that experience been for you? I mean, I, I've shared, I think, a couple times on this show what, what conference speaking has meant for me. But for you, how does that, you know, how has that shaped sort of, you know, whether it's your, your academic career, your, your current career, your involvement with Circuit, Circle City, whatever else? I mean, what, what, how has that been for you? What have, what have you gained from that? Yeah, so um, I've had plenty of people, it, it always shocks me when they say it. Um, I've had plenty of people go like, oh, I saw your talk. And I'm like, okay, which one? What do I say <laughs> now? <laughs> what do I say now? Um, I've had my current employer found my talks and they found my Twitter, Alyssa. And I know you follow me on Twitter. So I'm shocked. <laughs> um, giving a conference talk is very rewarding. Obviously I used to want to lecture. So those things are very similar. Um, just a bigger audience and an audience that I think is more interested in the subject. Um, but in general, I love it. I get really nervous right before, about an hour before I do it, I tell myself, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? I got myself in a big hole. Um, but it's really rewarding. I, I really recommend everybody do it at one point. Even if you're, you're like, you have stage fright, you don't know what to talk about. Everybody has something worth talking about. Um, and I think doing a con talk really gives you that courage at the end of it. Like, man, I did it. You know, that's awesome. So related to that, then, um, when you, you've given a talk, what is the thing? And I, because I, I think this is actually important. I don't, I don't think people realize people who've not had the chance to speak, and even maybe some who have, but do it for different reasons. When you get off the stage and someone says, "Yeah, I saw their talk. It was awesome." What do you, what do you want them to say? Like what, you know, beyond just, it was awesome because you're awesome and you want them to think that you're awesome. But I mean, what's the, what is the thing? Like what, what means the most to you? If, if you were to overhear that conversation, they were talking about your talk. Content, like questions, things like, oh, I didn't know that you could find a pin number using this tool or um, how did you bypass the metal detector? Um, I really like conversations that take something that they've learned from the talk and like direct asking about it. It's always nice to hear the applause and the thank you, but knowing that my content has reached someone is really rewarding. And that's, that honestly is something, you know, I, I would love for more people to have that experience. Um, you know, I, I had a feeling that was what you were going to say. I'm, I'm not going to lie. No, we did not rehearse this in advance. <laughs> this is for the moment, but you know, because and the reason why I thought that is because I feel similarly. And, you know, I, I think it'd be great for more people to have that, that experience at one time of like, yeah, I went up there and said something that for me didn't seem like it was that smart or novel or exciting or new, but for them, it, it made a big difference and it brought them something that they could bring back. For me, I even connected to, because so much of this is we're about work, right? I mean, it, we go to these conferences most of the time because either we want to be working in this field or we do work in this field. And when I know somebody took something back to work and was able to use it, mm -hmm. like that is so amazing to me, or they used it to get a new job 
or they used it to to build something really cool or they impressed their boss you know like that's really cool stuff so where i'm headed with that is have you had that experience like something that sticks out to you when you were at a conference something that like you were able to grab onto that and like you took it back and maybe not within the first day, but maybe a week, a month, something that really just connected with you and you were able to leverage it when you got back to work. There are a few contacts I could say that, that did that for me, but I think the one that sticks out is when I watched Black Owl give his first reverse engineering talk, or at least first to me, I, I'm sure he was giving talks a lot more uh, before that, but it inspired me because there were so many things I didn't know and I was like, okay, I can do this. Even though I don't know anything, I can do this. And so it, it kind of, he made it really approachable and like took things through steps. So I was like, okay, if I study this, I'll get what he's saying. And kind of having that talk that really pushed the boundaries of what I did and didn't know uh, was so cool. So did y'all catch that? Did you hear what they just said about the, oh, I didn't know anything. I'm calling bullshit. All right. You knew plenty. You just didn't know that topic yet. And see that that's an imposter syndrome thing that I, I want people to get beyond. It's you, you feel like you don't know anything and you see these speakers on stage and well, you, you know, wow, look at all the smart things they're saying. Clearly they know everything. And I, you know, I, I think from that perspective, you, you heard what Alyssa just said, and I've said it too. I kind of went the same route a little while ago. Right. I, I didn't say anything that smart. Well, it wasn't to me, but you know, how would you, how do you, have you had the opportunity to like maybe try to encourage somebody or how would you encourage somebody who doesn't feel like they have something to bring to, to get up there for that first time? So we're, we're talking about, you know, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, you'd like to see everybody have that opportunity. So if someone's out there thinking, well, cause this is the common thing I hear is I, I don't know what to talk about. I don't have anything to talk about. What would you say? Everybody has something to talk about. Um, I think what people gets people stuck is they hear like, oh, that's a topic that's talked about before, or I'm not the most knowledgeable in this, which is untrue. One, when you go to a con, you never know who your audience is, right? So there may be someone just completely geeking out over what you do know. Um, and two, find something you're passionate about. You're very passionate about a lot of things. I can't smoke any meat. I don't know how to do that. Right. But like, I don't, I don't take that upon myself and say like, Oh, I don't, I don't know something just because I have to order Panera, <laughs> you know, like um, just being self-assured that at least if you are there speaking, there's going to be someone in the audience, you know more about what you're about to say than anybody else. Right. Um, it could be a topic that people have talked about thousands of times, but they've never heard you say it. So I, I think that that speaks to a, what Phil just said in the comments. And it also speaks to something, you know, if you ever read through the CFP materials for black hat, one of the things they really stress is tell us why either your stuff is new and novel or tell us how you're presenting it that's new and novel. And so when you say, you know, so Phil says, you know, give the talk that only you can give, you just mentioned as well, you know, no one's heard you say it. 
Well, that speaks to you may say it in a very different way than somebody else did and how you approach the subject. It might be the thing that bridges that gap and, and connects something for them that they didn't understand before. Is that, is that consistent with what you're feeling? Absolutely. Um, and a little hint to everyone out there who's thinking, ah, I may submit to a CFP, look up what your cons theme is, if they have one, and write to that theme, and that automatically makes it unique, right? Someone might have given a general talk about your topic, but if you tie it into something else that like no one's done it with, that's new, that's novel. Um, there's a lot to talk about in security. There is. I mean, and that's just it, right? We're not done talking about things at conferences until we're all perfectly secure. And since we know that's not ever going to happen, there will always be things to talk about at conferences. And here's, you know, so my first experience speaking at a conference, I gave a talk on OAuth too, right? And my talk, literally the whole thing was all of the, the everything that I talked about, common weaknesses. Yeah, they they were everything they were listed in the OAuth 2 threat model that was that was released as part of the RFC or in addition to the RFC. But I tied it back to things I had seen in pen tests. And I think that, you know, and then brought it in a very different light rather than going through, well, here's the OAuth 2 threat model and here's what they say. These are bad things. It was, no, here's some redacted results from my pen test. So there was nothing new that I presented about OAuth 2. And yet there were people who got a lot out of that because they got to see it in action. They got to understand it. They saw it in a way that brought more context that they could understand. And so I, I think that that's really important for people to see is that, look, it, it doesn't have to be novel or you know brand new research. Absolutely. Um, I think if I was to say what makes the perfect talk or um, what would do it, it's honestly, just presenting yourself. It's like seeing a band live that has no stage presence, right? You don't want that. They can play their music, but they're lame. Um, just being authentic and who you are on stage, even if that's you know a nervous, timid person, put yourself out there. People will be interested. They are there to hear you talk, right? Um, they're not there necessarily to you know, boo you from the crowd and throw tomatoes. So. <laughs> And I can't say, unless you make some really awful claims, like there might have been somebody at a, a, a Black Hat conference a few years ago that said some things that were pretty awful, um, and they probably did not get the reaction they wanted. And yeah, I mean, people are not going to attack you. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's really important, too, to understand that that honestly is a safe space. And for another shameless plug, the safest space uh, that you could try your talk out at. We have our CFP open for Circle CityCon. Uh, feel free to drop a line there. Um, also, just because it's a really cool con, GERCon has its CFP open. So if you're feeling like you might not be able to go to Indianapolis, but you can swing by Grand Rapids, give them a chance to. I'm sure there's a lot of other CFPs out right now. Uh, those are just the two I know that's not DEF CON. Apply I mean, to DEF CON anyway. I would pitch Blue Team Con, but ours closed two months ago, so sorry. Yeah. Next year. Still Next come year. to Blue Team Con because it's great. But <laughs> um, but yeah, I you know, and it's I was thinking too while you were talking. Um, yeah, it's as you look at that that speaking experience as well, you I think there is that fear. There's that fear of how's it gonna go, how am I gonna be received, how is this gonna, you know, who's gonna react, how 
And I think you're just understanding that, you know, you, you mentioned before, right? Like the, the band scenario, the thing I think about, there was, there was talk during COVID and we were all doing these virtual cons. People were speculating, oh, we'll never go back to in-person cons anymore. And yet here we are, we're all doing in-person conferences again. Now, some of us have been able to do things in hybrid where, you know, you can join virtually or in real life. But the fact of the matter is we still all crave to see, right? I mean, that's the point of doing a live stage conference. And so again, when you're presenting something, maybe it is something they've even heard before, but you're not a faceless webinar. You're not a faceless book. You're not, you know, you're there in the room. They're sharing that experience with you. And so just bringing yourself to that, as you said, I think is what really is going to drive that. It's no different than why would you go see, you know, a band when you have their CD? Well, because yes. it's a very different experience when you're there with all the other people and you're doing all the things and you're experiencing it live. You know, I, I really enjoyed the two years we did online. It was it was fun. But um, in general, there's nothing like being there. It, it, there's just not. Um, I think personally, a lot of hands-on work is fun. It's, it's not even the hands-on villages, the trainings and things like that. It's the people who are like, hey, I like that topic too. Or I see you're wearing a, a looking for job bracelet. Do you want to go to dinner? It, it's those small social interactions that you miss. Um, it's the being able to harass OJ whenever you want. Well, that's always <laughs> worthwhile. Yeah, I know. It's so much fun. Um, meeting people, just really sharing those intimate small moments, I think, is what makes an in-person con so special. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Well, and you brought up the hiring thing. Mm -hmm. So that's another one, by the way. If you're looking for a way to justify going to conferences to your business, because at the end of the day, the business wants to know they're going to get some value out of it. Well, guess what? Recruiting in cybersecurity right now sucks. It's hard because we have like, you know, lots of people who have jobs already and aren't looking. You know, there's this, there's this, there's this talent gap. And if you guys have heard me talk, you know, I don't totally believe in the talent. I think it's there, but I think it's there for other reasons and just a shortage of people. But it is hard to find candidates for a role. And so, hey, even if you're not the hiring manager, even if you just work for that company, just by your presence being there and interacting with other people, that gets your company's name out there. Maybe you find some people that you network with who might be good fits for some of your roles. Talk to your HR team. They might be interested in getting a few dollars your way because, hey, okay, we don't have a booth there, but we have someone going who could find us some people. Yeah, definitely be prepared to have like a business card or a contact card or even a website to direct people to. Um, I've met plenty of people who I've referred to internships with either Dell or different companies um, just because I met them at Circle and I had the opportunity to help people find a job. So I think that's absolutely wonderful. I know those bracelets are at some cons. I don't know. OJ's in the in the chat somewhere. I'm not sure if Circle City Con is going to be doing that this year, but um, other conferences have them. Or you could literally just have your resume in your backpack and give it to the first guy who likes uh, what you're saying. So, And I mean, quite honestly, if you don't want to wait and see if the conference is going to have I'm looking bracelets, get a button. Yeah. Make something, 
that you can hang on yourself that indicates you're looking? I mean, obviously, you know, consider your own threat model. If you're worried that someone's going to see you and report to your employer that you're out looking for another job, then maybe that's not the way you want to go about it. But yeah, have those conversations, ask around, get to know each other, get to know different people. And I know that can be hard. Like, so for me, and people are going to be like, Alyssa, you're lying, you're full of shit. Um, but I'm not, I promise. I am socially awkward as all get out. I am the person who will go to a conference and sit there and not talk to anybody because I'm too afraid to approach people. And honestly, Alyssa, this is why I got into public speaking in the first place. Because you know what I figured out? I figured out that if I gave a talk, then people would come talk to me and I didn't have to introduce myself. They would come talk to me because I gave a talk and they saw it and they wanted to ask questions. And so that is like a really cool I guess I'm back to plugging why you should speak at a conference, but that, that really is, yes, that is how, you know, that is how I've solution gotten past it. There are ways, I think in a conference, it's a lot easier to overcome some of that social awkwardness. If you are like me, because you're going to, you have an immediate common ground with everyone there in some shape or form. You're all, all about cybersecurity. So you know, I mean, I, I don't know where your experience is, but that that's kind of what I've found. I, I definitely agree with what you're saying, but also I've had a lot of support from people who are also other speakers, like going to a speaker and saying like, hey, how do how did you do that? Like, how did you talk in front of a bunch of people or even like, how do I get over using common phrases too much or just, you know, in general, delivering a line or delivering what I'm saying? Um, I've gone to other speakers at conferences and I was like, hey, I am nervous so much. I don't know what to do. Will you listen to my talk for me? Um, other speakers have been so supportive and really wonderful. Um, I'm sure there's plenty I can think of. I don't want to shout out anyone, forget names. But um, I think it's so helpful to have that person that's like, I've been in your shoes. Um, also, I wanted to bring up from what you said, um, kind of that that camaraderie feeling that you were talking about, like people will come up to you and talk to you. Um, don't be afraid that for people to coming up to you. You seem to really like it, but other people can get really nervous and be like, oh no, now I have to answer a bunch of questions. <laughs> people are there legitimately just to talk to you. Um, and it's a great way to meet people if you're looking for a job. It's a great way to meet a new friend. So be a speaker, it's fun. Yeah. No, it really is. And I, what I will say is there are conferences out there too. Um, if you look them up, um, I, I think maybe Diana Initiative does this, if I remember right. I hope I'm not lying. Besides, Vegas might do it too in their proving ground. I can't remember for sure now, so I don't want to say for sure. But I, I think, but where they will pair up new speakers with a an experienced speaker to help you through that process. I know some conferences will do that in the CFP. They'll pair you up with somebody to help you write your CFP. Maybe that's what Diana does. I don't remember now. Um, but that's a thing to look into because yeah, I, your, your point about working with other experienced speakers is like crucial. And there's a, been a lot of virtual times this year that have focused on that too. Um, you know, I, I know of, of friend of mine, uh, Oh God, now I forgot the name of the conference that they put together, but um, you know, did a virtual con now that was focused on all new speakers and pairing them up with people that would help them put their talks together. So you'll know, seek that out. I think that that's really helpful too. 
Yeah, I've not heard about that, but that's really awesome. Um, OJ actually dropped in the chat like a minute ago to get the light up LED Dame badges. You can get those on Amazon for like 10 bucks and put anything you want. So, you know, put your name, put that you're a speaker, put that you're looking for a job, even put down, I'm just looking for new friends, you know? Um, putting yourself out there in a really cool flashy way, I think would be really fun. So thanks for that suggestion, OJ. Um, but yeah, that's support and, and being a new speaker. Just go to Twitter, search CFP, and then cyber, I know, I know you have to search that word, it's gross. Um, or infosec, and you'll find people who are like, just submitted my CFP today, or I just got heard back from my CFP, I gotta talk, like reach out to them. Like um, if they wouldn't be tweeting about it, if they didn't wanna be asked about it. Very, very true. Awesome, so on that note, I mean, I just looked at the time like, wow, holy cow, we're already at 45 minutes. I gotta wrap this thing up because we are out of time. But Alyssa, thank you so much. I'm. It's been an absolute pleasure. I, I mean, I knew it would be, but um, yeah, this has been awesome. So thank you so much. Thank you. And to everybody out there, again, you know, if you missed the start of this or you just want to listen to it again and hear all the awesome nuggets that Alyssa threw out there, you know, recording will be available right away. The podcast version will be available in a couple days. Again, we're available like on all the major pod podcast platforms at this point. So if you do listen there or you saw us on YouTube or someplace where it's appropriate, I got to do it. I got to say it. Hit the like, you know, subscribe, all that good stuff. You know how that works. I got to throw it out there. But... Uh, we'd love to see you again next week. Uh, we've got great guests lined up. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm still dumbfounded at the amazing people I'm getting to share time with this week. You know, every week. This week it was a lesson. So thank you again, and uh, we'll see you next time on Securing Bridges. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Securing Bridges podcast with Alyssa Miller. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.